Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Wellners Podcast. This is episode number 77. My name is Slater, and I'm here with Caitlin and Adam. What's up? Hello. Woo! I'm still in the Grand Tetons. <laughs> yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't changed mine since the last time, so I'm still a blue whale. Uh, I'm hanging out with the um, best picture of a humpback whale ever taken in the history of mankind. Shush, you. Oh, weird. Oh, I didn't even send you that photo. <laughs> It is. I make it too easy, man. Um, to be fair, Adam, it took every ounce of self control I have to not comment on your Santa Barbara appreciation post and say, "Weren't some of those from Monterey?" Oh, <laughs> listen, oh. those are hundred percent Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara is. Dang, I'm gonna share it my story and put you on blast and be like, dude, some of those weren't even taken here. Make sure you that you, is a lot. Sure Adam for you leave like his post. <laughs> oh my goodness. So what's up, dudes? You know, just whaling out here. Just seeing whales and uh hanging out with whales, taking pictures of whales, um, meeting new whale friends, you know, just good times. Adam and I met the same whale. You did? Who? Didn't even know it. It showed up on my happy whale a couple days ago. And it says, I you told you that. Someone just saw this whale. Yeah, but it wasn't on the podcast, Caitlin. But Adam's acting like he didn't even hear you say it. Because he doesn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, was it? What's yeah. the CRC number? Uh, uh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> it was a CRC46389 with a apostrophe S. I don't know, dude. <laughs> it might have been an HW one. The other ones are that just say like HW, right? The Happy Whale catalog number. Yeah. yeah. No, but yeah, we saw the same whale. And I did see that I have a whale that made it all the way to Nicaragua. What? Really? That's my furthest so far that I found. I asked Kate Cummings if she knows any whales from here that have been to Costa Rica. And she's like, yeah, definitely I have some. So I just have to like find it find one you know i still don't have one it, that, that's the best part about happy whale it makes me feel like a pokemon master they're like have you seen fran and i'm like oh yeah i got fran checked off she's number 14 in the pokedex all right let's go who's next <laughs> number one but caitlin's seen fran's mom that's kind of unfair or have you not what i don't know i think so wait so who was talking about fran's mom the other day oh like kate cummings oh uh, maybe it was kate that's seen her mom but they haven't seen know. her anymore I've seen a lot of whales, so I don't know. I'm sure you've seen her. So what's the word, Caitlin? What did you see this week? Dude, I saw the coolest thing. What? Oh! 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 What? Two basking sharks. Oh, yeah. I was thinking the other thing that you sent us a photo of. Oh, no. (laughs) I mean, that was cool, too, but... um, (laughs) Yeah, so we had, we've been having, like, weird um, plankton blooms and, like, these weird little tinafore things that, like, look like comb jellies, but then they have, like, two big, long streamers coming off the end of them. I don't really know what they are because I'm not an invertebrate specialist, but, uh, like, right after those started showing up, there were basking sharks starting to be sighted off of Stellwagen Bank, and uh, in the morning, like... It was glass flat calm the first day that we saw them and we were cruising out and um, I 
was looking real hard just for literally anything weird because it was so calm. And I saw what I thought originally were like gill neck buoys with like a flag and they, but like they weren't set with enough, they were set with too long of a scope. So the flag was like dipped in the water. And I was like, that's weird. But I just like didn't really think a lot of it. Well, later in the trip, when we're on our way home in the morning, another boat was like, we have a basking shark over here. And so I started looking really, really, really hard. And I was like, maybe this is a basking shark, not a flag on a buoy. And so then I told the captain, I said, I think I have one over here. Like, let's go over there and get closer. And as we got closer, their fin is just that. I didn't really think it was that weird of a shape and that big. And so then we got closer and I was like, oh, it was a basking shark. Also, that means I probably saw one on the way out and didn't say anything. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Adam, you seen one before? Yeah, dude. Caitlin, welcome to the very exclusive wow. Basking Shark Club. Yeah, dude, you're such a hater. Damn, as, your, um, as your welcoming gift, you get a piece of crow. <laughs> Fine. Well, I'm still in the Leatherback Sea Turtle Club without you guys, so okay, bye. Oh, <laughs> That's dude, aren't cool. they cool? Like, yeah. You didn't just see a Basking Shark. You had a Basking Shark, and at the same time, two humpback whales popped up right at your boat. <laughs> yeah, so in the afternoon, or, yeah, on the afternoon trip, we went out and, um, we were looking for the basking shark the whole way out, couldn't find it, even though we went right through the same area and there had been two there. And um, then on our way back in, we were getting our last looks with one group of humpback whales. And I was like, I found the shark. And so actually our, our other deckhand Sierra was like, I think I found the shark. And then I looked in the binoculars and I was like, yeah, that's definitely it. So we're watching this basking shark and there's like lunch feeding humpback whales behind it. That's so cool. So, yeah. That was awesome. And then the shark, like, swam, like, we were following it parallel, and then it turned and, like, swam up to the bow so close it almost touched it. Everybody, like, got amazing views and could, like, see down its throat, could see its whole body underwater. It was, like, 20 feet long at least, and then it, like, swam under the bow. It was incredible. That's pretty awesome. Another home run trip, huh? So you, you got good looks at them? Yeah. Because when I the couple times I saw them, it was all overcast skies and stuff, so we didn't yeah. really get the best looks. And they're like obviously a, a very dark animal, so it's hard to see them. But we obviously like, you can see their mouth, the white mouth yeah. open, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, they're I so cool looking. On that night, I think on the Patreon. So if you follow <laughs> us on there, you can see them on there. Um, and there's one where like there was a lot of glare, but um, I tried to like get the contrast right so you can see the mouth a little bit in one of the photos which is cool yeah super have you seen that video of the guy paddleboarding it's in some type of canal or something oh you know i think in the uk somewhere you can like kayak with them okay well they they were like everybody's just like shark (laughs) and like you know they oh yeah they're freaking out yeah, they even portrayed as like a shark in the like you know the caption stuff but it's it's you know a basking shark it's like yeah to do anything but I mean, if you didn't know what you were looking at, and it didn't have it, yeah, scary. Or if it, ha- even if it had, and their head is big, you'd be like, "What is that thing? That is terrifying." They're yeah, actually they are scary looking. looking, huh? Yeah, they, they look are. like a dinosaur. Yeah, like they're wild. Yeah, I'll see one someday. You will. Someday. There's places that they're still pretty common, right? Yeah, I mean, I think yes. in New England in the spring they they are pretty common. It's just last year, we didn't start working until the first week of July. So it's just a short window in the springtime that you can see them out here in New England. 
But in the UK, they're pretty common. Scotland, yeah, in Scotland, you can swim with them and do do some cool stuff with them. Let's go, Slater. Let's go right now. They used to be really common in Monterey, but something shifted, and now they hardly ever see them. I'd like to see them in blue water, please. Yeah, but they (laughs) feed on plankton. I know. (laughs) When you Google it, there's like, it's like all like, you know, clean green, and there's like, but there's some blue water ones. I wonder where that's at. I don't know. I don't know. BBC just makes things blue, so (laughs) (laughs) everything they film is just in like perfect water somehow. (laughs) We also um, that day that we had the basking shark, we also had um, surface feeding fin whales. I saw, yeah, I saw it in the distance once, and then like one quick little feed at the surface. But they were it was two fin whales together, and we've had loads of minke whales, uh, good numbers of humpback whales. And lots of Atlantic white-sided dolphins. I think we've seen Atlantic white-sided dolphins almost every day, except for today. And and, and they're schlongs, right? Yeah. One, schmeckles. One Atlantic white-sided dolphin was very excited the other day. I was taking a picture of a, a humpback whale going down for a dive, and this Atlantic white-sided dolphin was jumping in the background. And when I zoomed in, I was like, that's definitely a male dolphin. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not gonna get that photo twice, probably. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, what I will say with lags, both Pacific and Atlantic white-sided dolphins, if you see them do those high leaps, definitely check your photos if it's if you have the angle of the belly, because oftentimes it is a male and his peepees out. <laughs> probably some sort of courtship thing that we don't. Really no well, way. I mean, some of it is the technique, so. Can I get some air? Well, I mean, yeah, they just, like, they rush underneath the female and then, like, jump afterwards. Like, Harbor wow. Port Base. That's, uh... Oh, yeah, I've seen photos of that, too, Harbor Port yeah. Base. Yeah, pretty gnarly. Dang, I gotta step up my game. Yeah. Anyways, that's, um, that's my week. <laughs> Slater, let's hear it, dude. What's up? I didn't go whale watching. Uh, Not at all. I decided I'm out. I'm done with whale. <laughs> I went uh, one day, I think. One day, two days. I don't know. I went on. Let me look at the calendar real quick. I went on. Not yesterday. Sunday. And it was supposed to be super windy. And it like wasn't windy at all. And it was nice the entire day. And we had literally dozens of humpbacks. Like in multiple parts of the bay. So like probably well over 30 plus whales easily and i spent like six hours out there i actually went in and i called Mar- my wife and, and margo came down and she brought breakfast burritos and she came out on the boat and we went out for like another couple hours nice but yeah just dozens of humpbacks i saw lunch feeding breaching peck slapping tail throwing pretty much every single behavior i think from humpback i saw so awesome. that's pretty pretty lucky pretty lucky day that's what we like to hear what about you adam i mean honestly pretty pretty much the same thing (laughs) like (laughs) we've been seeing dozens of humpbacks um today today was pretty bumpy out so we could only get so far the wind line came in pretty quick and we didn't even get to our numbers from yesterday but we had like eight pretty coastal humpbacks um a couple cow calves and we had a really good group of a couple of really good groups of common dolphins so they're back in full strength. That's always fun to see. We love 
our common dolphins. There's like probably two or three thousand of them. So pretty good stuff. And yeah, just a bunch of humpbacks. Same thing. We've been seeing lunch feed and breach and peck slap and do a whole bunch of cool stuff. So it's been good. Good season so far. Sweet. I thought I had common dolphins the other day and I was like, on the radio, I, I got on the radio. I was like, I feel like I just saw two common dolphins pop up. And then Kate was like, "Do you want to make a bet that they weren't common dolphins?" I was like, <laughs> "Okay, well, they're probably not common dolphins then." And they were, they ended up being harpoonists. But like common dolphins, like when they, so there's a thing that common dolphins do when they like, I feel like once they lock onto a boat, they're like, Chow! you know what I mean? Like they just turn and head yeah. head onto the boat. Yeah. And so like these harpoonists came, two of them popped up going straight at me. And I was like, oh, like, dude. And they looked, I don't know why, but it looked like common No, they do from a distance sometimes, like, especially if they get that big splash going. Yeah. And then they turned around. Then they got, then, you know, then they went past me and I looked back and then they ended up becoming harbor purpose. They transformed. Yeah. The dorsal fins changed and they did some <laughs> funky, funky behaviors. And then... <laughs> we had some great looks at harbor purpose too on a couple days because it was so glassy calm. It was beautiful. The only time I've ever gotten a good look at a harbor porpoise is when a killer whale is punting it out of the air. I've gotten some I've, looks over the years, but... Never really gotten any good looks. Actually, I've seen a, a harbor porpoise hunt, too, uh, up in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, yeah I've so. never seen a harbor porpoise hunt. And it was so foggy that day, and it would have been probably an amazing hunt, but it was just so foggy. You yeah. had another day. You had them twice. Who? Harbor porpoise. You. Oh, you're right. I had one in the sunny day, too. Yeah. In the sunny day. <laughs> in the sunny day. One in the sunny kind, one in the foggy kind. <laughs> <laughs> All Ooh. right. Well, um, are we ready to get into our topics for today? What about, All our, about gray whales. Well, what, what about our Patreon only content? Oh, you're right. We do have an update from all of us. So we are going to put out some Patreon only content. Um, so if you are subscribed to our Patreon, then keep an eye out for that. It will be available um, soon, if not already by the time this episode comes out. I just want to look at our tiers really quickly. So I say the right names, words, whatever. Words, names, noises. Be-bop-bop-bop-bop. <laughs> I'm not. so excited to post um, some Patreon-only content. Yes. We have so a lot of good this ideas. will be available for the tiers Whale Nerd, Whale Lover, and Whale Obsessed. Um, so if you're in any of those tiers, you should be seeing that content coming through on your feed soon. And we typically like label it, you know, like post update behind the scenes version of the episode, you know, this will be labeled probably like Patreon exclusive or something like that. So um, if you're our Patreon follower, thank you so much. This is one more benefit that we're adding um, to you. And then also if you're interested in supporting our work on Patreon, that's one more perk that's going to be a part of your uh, monthly contribution to our work. So yes. And if you are a Patreon member and there's something that we're not doing on there or something you would also like to see, um, we'd love to give you guys like more benefits if we can. So if there's something that you guys have an idea of, um, yeah, let us know on Patreon. 
Also, you have the ability to suggest po um, podcast topics to us. So whether you want it to be Patreon exclusive or just for a regular episode, like feel free to message us through Patreon and send us your ideas. Um, that is one of the perks that is currently available, and um, we don't really have people use it very often. So just let us know. We'd love to hear what you want to hear about. Yo! So, now yeah. ready for Grey Wells. Now you're ready for Grey Wells? Yes. Are you? We're going to learn some stuff. Boulders of I'm the ready sea. To, I'm ready Boulders to be learned. The crusty whales of the North Pacific. Um, but we're also going to talk a little bit more about the North Atlantic. So, um, the first paper I was looking at and had lined up for today was a paper that just came out in last year, January of 2020 in endangered species research and it's called the co-occurrence of gray whales and vessel traffic in the north pacific ocean and basically what they did is um some modeling to look at the overlap of vessel traffic and gray whale habitat use but um i thought that they did a really nice job in their introduction of defining like where these whales are during what times of the year and like clarifying the like two populations in one like feeding group that may or may not get its own um, population designation. And um, basically they looked at areas of high vessel traffic throughout the year along coastlines, intercontinental trade routes and hubs of commercial shipping near port entrances and then they looked at like the exposure of gray whales during like these designated, I don't know, I guess what we call seasons. So um, feeding, southbound migration, wintering, and northbound migration periods. And um, the most high risk that they found were Russia Far East, so Kamchatka uh, Peninsula, Sea of Ostok, and the Bering Sea along the Aleutian Islands, but then also the Gulf of Alaska, and the entire west coast of North America. So, like, basically everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> and it also says on the northbound and southbound migration. Yeah. Um, and so, part of what they sort, of, they sort of, like, floated all these ideas, basically, that obviously tanker and container and bulk carrier ships are the most considerable risk, um, but you can't discount the extent of commercial fishing activity um, as far as vessel strike risk, and then also um, ferries and um, even whale watch vessels and things like that. Um, the number of gray whales killed by ship strikes every year could be in the tens, but even as high as the hundreds each year. So they, you know, obviously it's if a whale gets hit out at sea and then sinks and is never sighted, like... Yeah, you know, to be able to record it. So they have to operate with some assumption that they're missing it. Um, so what I thought was cool about the Western North Pacific gray whales, so the the side, the Russia side, is that they talked a little bit about the exploitation and like the range and stuff. So the whales were heavily exploited and almost hunted to extinction in the 1960s. They think there's about 200 whales feeding off of Sakhalin Island in Russia. Uh, during the summer and fall, and 
has been slowly increasing since the 1990s. They are currently in danger, listed as an endangered subpopulation if you look at the IUCN red list. And then they fall under the Endangered Species Act protection and the Marine Mammal Protection Act in the United States. And then they also were just listed as critically endangered, recognized by the Russian government as well in 2020. So um, that's something that's pretty cool and a new development for conservation for them. Um, so they think that some of them feed off of Sokolin Island in the winter and then do migrate all the way to Mexico based on photo ID and also a few satellite tagged whales. But they think that some may still go down the other side of the Pacific. They've sighted them as far south as northern Japan in the wintertime. In, um, there was papers about it in 2008, 2015, and 2016. So still. And, they, and they're staying down on that side? the Pacific or are they crossing at a way bigger uh, crossing? That's a fair question. I actually don't know. Like, because if they go down and then they cross, it's like that's a long distance. Yeah. Right? I think basically they're like, well, we see them in this part of Japan and then we don't know what happens after that, I think is what's Mm -hmm. going on. I would have to go back and look at those other papers, though, to, to know for sure. Another real mystery. Um, seriously. Um, the abundance of the eastern North Pacific gray whale, so the ones on uh, the North American side, they had it at about 27,000 in 2016. Um, and they do list the 1999 to 2000 unusual mortality event as uh, one of those like fluctuations in population. And then they also talked about the most recent UME in 2019 and 2020. However, the one thing that like kind of stood out to me about them acknowledging the UME is they're like, it's of unknown cause. But like, if you ask like Jim Sumich or other people that were studying the whales at the time, they're like, yeah, we had a really bad El Nino and the whales starved to death, which is basically yeah. what people are saying about the UME that just happened in 2019 and 2020. It's like they're, the whales are under 2016. Or El Nino or what? Yeah, I get well, affected the water by water it. Blob, basically. Yeah. So it just you know what's weird about this whole gray whale stuff? It's like we know where they live, we know where they go to breed, we know where they go to eat, kind of. I mean they spread out up there, but it's like you would think we just kind of know a lot about these animals. Yeah. But we still don't know like that much about gray whales. Yeah, yeah, they still they still leave us in suspense on a few things. So um Basically, they were saying in the summer, so from June to October, that whales are feeding off the Bering, Chukchi, and Beaufort Seas. There's also a small component that feeds off of British Columbia, Washington, Oregon, and Northern California. That's that Pacific Coast Feeding Group. And then mm-hmm. the Western North Pacific gray whales feed on the northeastern uh, shelf of Sakhalin Island and in the Russian Far East. And to a lesser degree... They're still calling them Western North Pacific gray whales, but they're feeding in um, southeastern Kamchatka. Sorry if I'm butchering that. Um, But yeah, then they travel through a bunch of really just gnarly, heavily used seas, basically. If you look at the maps in the paper, they like it's like a heat map. So like red is where the overlap risk and the collision risk is the highest. And it's just like, the entire coastline, <laughs> which is mm. awful. 
Um, it's 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 tough just because like obviously we know Grevo's Hugley Coast, right? So the most boat traffic is going to be on the coast, whether it's from you know commercial shipping vessels, whether it's from passenger carrying vessels, whether it, whether it's from private boats, whether it's from whale watch companies, like. They're yeah. just obviously the most at-risk whale, and that's just kind of the way it is, and it sucks that that's the case. But I yeah. think it, especially here, like in California, you know, like in places like Newport Beach, you know, you can have whatever, like 15 private boaters on one whale or two whales, and it's just like they don't know how to, you know, react around a whale. They can't, they mm-hmm. don't probably know their migratory patterns. They don't know how to predict what they're going to do, so it's just super frustrating and and tough, I mean, for for us and obviously for the whales as well. Yeah. There's also, um, oh, I guess I'm looking, I guess I'm looking at this model, these models, and some of the areas that they have mapped as potential whale use areas, there are areas where these gray whales could potentially use these spaces, and there are not a lot of, the, the likelihood of collision is, Less. Less-ish, kind of. Not really. Yeah, know. potential potential whale use area, yeah. If it's but purple, I mean, even it's then, still extremely high. There's not very many low-risk areas, I guess, basically, is the exactly. better way to say that. Yeah. So, yeah, very coastal whale, um, you know, we're ch- trying to coexist with, and honestly, we're, I don't think we're doing the best job. Um but the other thing that was kind of interesting that I pulled away from it was this is all obviously modeling. This is not like documented, you know, number of incidences or anything. But they used the AIS data for vessels. Um, like they they describe all the criteria. It was like 300 gross tons or higher, uh, yeah. 150 gross tons or higher with 12 or more passengers on an international voyage. They had like a couple. They were big ships they were tracking tracking on AI. Well, if that's the requirement, then we don't even know what the smaller private boaters are. Right. Even. But then, and that's all from 2019 data. The other question I then have, or I guess the other comment I have is, as climate change continues, shipping lanes and routes are going to change, but also whale distribution is going to change. So how relevant is this model going to stay? There wasn't really any comments at the end of the paper kind of touching on that at all because like what if ships start going across the north pole you know like what if they start using the northwest passage what if what if whales start pushing even further up in there like what how does that change the dynamic you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah Spe- whales up there and ships don't go up there you know so speaking of um you know ship strike we obviously had that pretty gnarly ship strike encounter off of san diego um, not too while ago, with the Navy, Navy showed up with two dead whales on their on their tied to their hull, or is on their bow. I think it was across the bow. I haven't read the article too closely yet. Okay, I heard something. I heard something about it being on the side of the hull, but um, and it was a cow calf pair of fin whales. And I got I, you know, put my two takes out my take out there and my two cents out there, and people really, some people agree with what I said, and some people didn't. I essentially just said like it's really not the Navy's fault. Like they, they could, they hit these whales in the middle of nowhere. You know, they could, they could have hit these whales in the middle of nowhere and, and they're equally as, you know, 
like they're they, they have the equal chance of hitting a whale as the same that we do as as whale watch boaters you know like like whales can just pop up anywhere you know like like it's 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 such a hard and topic to really decipher and really get down to but people are just really nailing the navy for it and it's like at the end of the day you know they hit these whales and they didn't know and that's awful and that's sad but well, what about the ships that are carrying their iphones across the pacific or well, and that was my that yeah. was my point with, with for people i was like you need to hold yourself accountable the same as anybody else like if you yeah. if you you know everybody uses commercial you know ships like like that's just how the world's yeah. commerce is at the end of the day yeah. so if you're really mad about this you're also part of the problem at the end of the day, right? So mm-hmm. it's just a very complicated issue to tackle. Um, and, and one of my one of my followers responded with something that was really interesting. And I told him about the shipping lanes here in Santa Barbara and how they're, they're trying to move the lanes north because in the summertime, you know, that's the blue whales feed right along the islands, right along the shipping lanes on like the 12 line or the 10 line. And but at this, at the end of the day, you know, if they move those shipping lanes north, that goes right into the prime feeding grounds for the humpbacks in the spring. Yeah. So, you know, they, they, one of my followers suggested, like, what about like an annual migrating, like an annual moving shipping lanes, right? So, like in the spring when the humpbacks are around, it's further offshore because the blue whales aren't there yet, and then when the blue whales show up offshore, you know, you move it further north. And I think that's realistically the only, the only positive positive outcome i've really heard about this it's just really it's really tricky to do that because like i look at um so like we have the slow zone for right whales right so the way that the federal government runs it right now it's a moving target all the time based on sightings real-time data um but the messaging is pretty inconsistent so far like we actually um one of our fellow uh companies out of gloucester they called NOAA and were like, please explain to me, are we in a SMA? Are we in a DMA? What's the boundary? What's the actual rule? Like, I'm just trying to do the right thing here. I don't understand like where I'm supposed to be slowing down or where I'm not. And like, we're people that like care about the whales and take the time to read all that stuff. And like, we still couldn't quite understand it all. We had to call and ask for help. And so like, if you're going to put shipping lanes on moving targets, like I can imagine, especially for international crews that English is not their first language, like for sure, it'd be really difficult to manage. So, yeah, I got this. It's just just a very, very complicated issue. I got a very similar um, DM about the two fin whales. Yeah. And they asked me, well, they, they, they were mad at the, the, the ship, right? And they were like, well, why aren't they using – they have so much, so many instruments to use to know where these whales are. And I was like, yeah. but they don't. They don't. Yeah. Like I said, the only way to see whales is by using our eyesight. If you're, if you're seeing them on a sonar, it's probably too late anyways. Yeah. And, or they're below you so or you've yeah. passed them. And, um, and this is – and it goes back to – do you remember that time, the talk where they were saying that the, like the blue whales and fin whales are at the surface more at nighttime? Yeah. They're taking shorter dives. So yeah. this, this also could be happening at night too. It's probably yeah. not happening broad daylight. Yeah. So, well, and I think a lot of people don't understand, um, like vessels that size don't have brakes. They yeah, don't. It stop. takes yeah. a long time it's like to a stop. Train. It takes a long time to stop. Um, and I think for me personally, the two things that I see as most effective is one, 
as consumers, we need to be conscientious about where our products are coming from because you're right, Adam, you are part of the problem in a global economy. So buy local as often as you can. And if you are going to purchase something that you know is sourced internationally, think it through, like put the environment in your decision-making process. But two, the thing we could advocate for as consumers as well, at least on that end of, of commercial shipping and vessels is uh, speed limits, things like that. Like if the boats are going slower, it gives the whales a better chance. So Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely... Two, two really good points. It's just, it's such a complicated issue. And I got like one person saying like, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're saying all this, but like, what are you doing for the animals? It's like, you're right. Like I, eh, I have all this camera gear that, you know, I've bought and has traveled on ships at one point or another, you know, like, I think we're all part of the problem, but we can also all be part of the solution. It's those creative those mentions of, you know, maybe you do make it an annual shipping lane where it changes, or you just think about these processes more in depth, you know, and it's not like I, I, like I've done the survey flights to try to, you know, track data and see where these whales are feeding at what different times of years. Like we all are in this game together and it's, mm -hmm. it's not a one versus another person. Um, but it just, it just, it just really turned into a negative thing. And I, I hated to see that because we could be whale watching out there and a, and a whale could pop up right in front of us, you know, like that's just the way that the animals work. Like you just don't really know. Obviously, like when we're in feeding zones, like we're going slower, looking out for whales, but sometimes the inevitable might happen. I'm not saying that we've ever hit a whale and we're really conscious about it as most whale watch companies are, but it could happen to anybody. Mm -hmm. So that's just my thought about it. Yeah. Well, and I, I think back to that conversation we had with um, Jeff Friedman from Maya's Legacy about, um, like the salmon fishery and the southern resident killer whales and he's like we yeah. all actually just need to work together because at the end of the day we all want more fish right and like yeah. it's kind of the same thing with like and that's we're all nobody wants to hit nobody wants to hit whales nobody yeah. wants to hit whales and it's just, I, I i get the same thing with the entanglement stuff like i've been starting to do a lot more of that stuff um and it's like nobody wants to entangle whales you know the fishermen if they get a take against their against their fishing company uh, against their fishery, like that's that's a huge amount of profit that they lose. That's a huge hit on them. They could lose their entire fishery, you know. And like, it comes down to working together, talking with each other, and not blaming one group or another. Like we, nobody wants to entangle whales. Nobody wants to to run over whales. It looks bad on everybody, whoever it is, you know. Yeah. Um. And I think we're a lot stronger together than we are apart. So that was just what I wanted to bring up about that. Like, it just seemed like there's a lot of negativity going around there about those two fin whales. And obviously, like, it's such a tragedy, but why blame people when you can work together is my point, so. Yeah. Anyways, to get out well, of the Debbie Downers, let's move on. Speaking of sad topics, let's <laughs> Yeah, continue. let's go. Let's move Talk from one Debbie well Downer to the next. Yeah. I'm sorry. Let's not fall down this downward spiral. Let's yeah, try and just like try not to keep keep her moving. <laughs> uh, so, speaking of that unusual mortality event from 2019 and 2020, I'd say that the 2021 season is kind of worthy of the same designation as far as a UME goes. In the last during this northbound migration, there have been nine dead gray whales reported in the San Francisco Bay area since April. Oh. Um, and 
the causes were uh, entanglement, trauma from ship strike, and malnutrition were the most common three of the ones that they could determine. Um, and there was also one gray whale that was very underweight that was also documented for 47 days in San Francisco Bay. And I think it was trying, it seemed like it was trying to feed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rough I wonder, go. Rough. I wonder how toxic it is inside of the San Francisco Bay. You know what I mean? It's pretty gnarly if you look at some of the water quality reports. It's probably just poisoning itself at that point, right? Like, What'd you say? I said it's probably just at that point poisoning itself, that whale, you know, if it's really trying to feed down in the sediment there. I mean, who knows, but. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much of that, how, like, how acute would the effect be, right? Like, how quickly would that toxin load be the issue over the starvation i don't, I don't know oh uh, true yeah like they could eat there for two years and then it finally hits them yeah or they could eat one bad starfish and then that's it, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and i wonder if that's literally just in the bay area meaning like inside of the golden gate bridge because i i, I, I saw that so. photo okay see because i saw that photo of a dead gray whale at someone randomly i follow saw i think south of the bridge but like on a lookout point they oh, saw the gray dead whales. i i'm talking about the live whale but for the dead uh, whales um i think it may be outside of there as well okay yeah hmm. so i don't know i mean uh, even even if things pick up and but gray whales start to use San Francisco Bay, just like humpback whales have started to kind of reclaim that area, um, it just goes into like San Francisco's a busy port, kind of circles shipping, back. Shipping, yep, right there. So we gotta, you know, still gotta find a way to coexist in a very busy place. It's just it's so tough. Like when you look at these coastal species, like coastal bottlenose, kind of go through the same thing, right? It's just like pollution trash toxicity levels boats like <laughs> at, at least the for the them day, the sad, boats, it just seems i feel like for them the boats yeah, aren't no, as big sure. of an issue like, at all yeah no definitely not but it just seems like the closer these poor things are to humans the worse it is you know it just sucks yeah yeah it's tough to coexist with us we are just a rough species man we really <laughs> are <laughs> I think about that a lot when I'm on the boat. I'm like, man, we're just, we're something, aren't we? Um, okay, so the next paper that I wanted to talk about came out in April of 2021. And it is, it's a pretty brief paper. It's basically just writing up the tag data from a satellite tagged gray whale that went from Baja to Alaska. And um, they actually think that it's the first, or it's the, it constitutes the most complete northbound reported migration of an eastern gray whale. <clears throat> so they do believe it's a, a west coast of North America or eastern North Pacific gray whale. And on February 12th, 2017, it was tagged in San Jose del Cabo, Mexico. And it had a satellite telemetry transmitter put on it. And the signal stopped on July 11th of 2019. But its northbound journey, um, this whale went 11,387 kilometers, which is 7,075 and a half miles in 
149 days to get from Mexico to what they are calling, quote, its final destination in Alaska. So the Dude, boy, is that, is that where they found the, is that where they found the tag? Oh, uh, no, that's where it was deployed. My bad, my bad. That's okay, where it so. was deployed. Yeah, that's where they put it on the whale. Sheesh. And then I don't know if the, I don't know if anyone knows what actually happened to the tag, but it stopped transmitting in July. So. Dude, uh, could you, could you imagine spending wait. half of the year walking to a restaurant? And then once you get to that restaurant, miles to a restaurant, walking seven thousand miles to a restaurant, and then once you get there, eating till your heart's content, and then turning around and doing it right back again, like that's. So in the in that picture, Caitlin, there's a there's an arrow, and there's is a PTT. Is that the tag? Yeah. So what's the arrow? They obviously were taking a sample of it at the same time. In which figure? In figure eight B. No, I'm just kidding. Hold on. (laughs) In figure one. Yeah. In figure one, they I think they took a biopsy dart and put the tag on at the same time. Okay. Yeah, might as well. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to wow. harass the animal, you might as well, like... Dang! Do you see this, though? Take. Dude, March? Oh, my gosh. Look what they do in March. What the heck? Wait, wait. wait hold on. You like, see that? Like, it, look at the... Yeah, it goes so, inland, and then it goes out, and then it goes hangs out with the Kodiak bears off Kodiak Island, <laughs> and then it goes out, out. Oh, see, do you see that where the purple, where it starts to go purple, right? You see the Aleutian Islands? Yeah. Dude, that's probably that spot where the killer whales wait, yeah, and they hunt right there. I think, yeah. it was, I think it was feeding there. Let me go back to the, the write-up. Um, Kodiak, but, it was feeding? But look at... Yes, because there's 14 days where the whale covered 591 kilometers off of Kodiak Island in late April that they suspect the whale was feeding. And then it continued on to what it was, quote unquote, its final destination. So the the days in the distance traveled exclude those 14 days because the whale was not actually traveling. It was feeding. And um, uh, yeah. Well, look at this information. It's just the fact that in March and April, it's covering so much ground. Like yeah. compare that to February, like February, it's probably just... Where are you seeing these dates at, Adam? Oh, excuse me. Let Once me again. let me back it's up. The, let me back up a second. Okay, the eleven. It's the 000, lines. The eleven thousand kilometers, one hundred forty nine days, is the total distance and days the tag yeah. was deployed that it made its journey. So, what they're calling the actual migration from Ojo de, Le, de Libre Lagoon to Cherokee Basin was eight thousand eight hundred sixty three kilometers. Okay. For sixty-one point oh. five days. So let's, let's. So it's it's eight. putting on. Wait, what? Eight, so in one month, it made it from literally from Baja, past Washington into Canada. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I'm saying. It went, in the, in what the do you think? Whale? It went fifty-five hundred miles in sixty days. So in two months. I can't even get to the wharf in a couple of days. <laughs> so the average speed of five and a half kilometers per hour. That's pretty fast. Dude, that's really fast. Dude, you could ski could behind that thing. <laughs> <laughs> if you were like a little ant or something. <laughs> but just, just look at that. It goes from... That's crazy. That's probably honestly really good to know just in terms of like, hey, dude... In March, off the California coast, they're hauling. Like, they're, like, you know, yeah. stay out of their way. Like, I mean, I will say that I usually say in my narration about migration that they're going about three to four miles an hour. And five and a half kilometers per hour is about three and a half miles an hour. 
That's gnarly. They're just kicking those little tails up and down, up and down. I mean, even the, like, is that distance pretty close to the same, the, like, where the orange starts in April? I wonder if they're just, like, cooking, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that based on the track lines that are available in this paper, like, they just haul it until they get through the Gulf of Alaska, and then they might slow down and eat and calm down a little bit. But they're just, they're going. Who the heck drew the line? wild. Like who who did the line through Canada? No, no. I'm talking <laughs> to who no, who did this line? Like who decided right there? Like, you know what? You get this sliver of the Pacific Northwest, but we're gonna keep this left side that's on the ocean. You see what I mean? What? No. No. Not at all. Oh my god, dude. Zoom in. Up in I'm Canada. Like, no, figure one, up in Canada, it's just like, you see the light gray is Canada and the dark gray is Alaska. Oh. Like, who divided all that up? Oh, you're saying, like, (laughs) back in the day. Yeah. And we bought Alaska. Gray whales don't care. No, the gray whales don't care. They're international whales, dude. They're born in Mexico, and they go through all these different places and they don't know that it's different countries or different Ooh. states or anything. I wonder if there's ever been a whale born in Alaska, a gray whale. Like they just like she forgot she was going somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz we do see them born on we do see calves on the way down. Yeah. So, yeah. And I some mean, of them were like guided as far north as San Francisco on the way down. That's as far that's the furthest they've seen north. I think maybe even further than that, but I know for sure San Fran. I bet Jim. Do you think they? Do you think they have different accents for each different spot they're born? Like they have an Alaskan and a Canadian and like a Californian. They're like sawed it. I don't. I don't think gray whales have that eclectic of a language system like killer whales or something do. But Adam was trying to make a joke. That's what. Maybe that's what Jim Simmons should look into next. The, the man's trying to live a happy retired life. I don't think he wants to take on any new projects. Oh, he's not. He's not talking about gray whales anymore. I mean, he still talks about him, but I don't think he's trying to pursue any act like new active projects. I don't know. I guess we'd have to ask him. But so it Do looks you... like there needs to be a new Jim Sumich. Yeah, more photography. Whoa, dude! Whoa, whoa! <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to go back to like school and stuff. Wait, Caitlin. Question: Do you think that at this rate, if these whales keep dying off like this, they might get taken off the endangered species list? I mean, ta- uh, put, put back, back on? on. I don't know. I. I guess what I don't understand on the management side is, like, what the threshold is. Like, when how long get... do you continue to have a UME before you're, like, we need to redo the status? Like, this is not a UME. This is, like... Yeah, this is, like, a... Something's steep, going on. This is, yeah. like, a prolonged... I, decline. I know we were talking about how, like, the UME is most likely caused by, like, you know, the El Ninos. But what if they're like, what if they're just out of carrying capacity? Like, what if they've recovered right. to a point to where they hit the ceiling and yeah. then they? Well, I mean, saying that for how many years now that I've been saying that since I, like seven years, I've been ten years, I've been hearing that they're at carrying capacity. Yeah. So, so. the carrying capacity question, like, that's going to take years to answer, right? Because you're going to see it teeter totter right there at the line for a long time before you figure out what yeah. the line is. So that's why I'm saying I don't understand what the threshold is on the management side, like when you decide to reclassify or when you decide to wait and see because it's don't we have like, don't we have 30,000 what was that there's like 30,000 of them yeah 27,000 was the last official 
Yeah, and so it's like, okay, if they hit 25K again, you know, or, or 20K again. Yeah, so there is there is this magic number called a percent biological removal. So that's um, how many whales can be removed from the population on an annual basis without a population level oh, yeah. impact. And um, for species like blue whales, the PBR is one, less than one. So, um, and that's from non-natural causes. Non-natural, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know off the top of my head what the PBR is for gray whales. So they're blue whales are just. Like, yeah. we not of, they're like out of luck, literally. Do we not have records of whalers like from the different lagoons saying like how many whales they slaughtered? And can't you add yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. They think that the number was like hundred. They think it was one hundred fifty thousand. But then what wasn't the there heck? some like documents uh, that like that wasn't there some places that didn't document it well that people from other countries that came in or something like that. Well, there's also a very covert um, Soviet whaling effort that went well into beyond the um, ice. Was that, that wasn't graze, was it? Um, I don't think was so. It's mostly humpback whales and fin whales, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know how well... We'll talk a little bit about it in the Atlantic, but I don't know how well some of the records are. But the, the genetic population studies... And yeah, um, the Scammon's logs and stuff on North Pacific gray whales, they all pretty well agree on somewhere around 150,000. But the problem is... That's crazy. The problem is the entire ecosystem has shifted with how much extraction we have done from our oceans and how much we've changed the um, productivity of the oceans, removing all these large animals. Wow. So can the... Can the current ocean habitat sustain that many gray whales anymore? Well, I mean, if that's, it is the carrying capacity, it's clearly it clearly can't. You know, yeah. like if it's, so that's that's the thing we don't know. That's crazy. It's the same thing. Like like I like I, I always wonder like with blue whales and stuff. It's like everybody says three hundred fifty to four hundred thousand whales before the whaling era, and it's like even if you could get it back to the number, like the world can't support that like the oceans can't support 350,000 blue whales how do you know but that's my point it's like well, we don't yeah, know but at the same Adam, time it's like there's a, there's a whole system though right so maybe they're helping support themselves so if there was 300,000 blue whales there'd be 300,000 pooping blue whales yeah and they're feeding the webs but my point is like if we don't have like big get them Slater groups, like, 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 <laughs> I'll root myself on <laughs> <laughs> like if these populations of whales and bluefin tuna and everything have decreased by 90 percent yeah dude we got like five years was, <laughs> fish left okay was, exactly that's what i'm go. saying like we're all screwed um, we're not yeah, we'll figure scary, it out right? it's terrifying let's yeah. just think positive and uh we'll figure yeah, it out we got a lot of science out there right now <laughs> That would be my other takeaway from all these solutions, right? Think, be a conscious and informed consumer, advocate for slower shipping speeds, um, but support science. That would yeah. be fun. Support Especially when you're science. voting. Especially when you're voting. Yep, yep. Support science in your vote. So, um, okay, so we have two more um, reports. One of them's going to be kind of a long one, so I guess this episode's going to be long, but, you know, I just love gray whales. They're very... Near and dear to my heart, those crusty little animals. No. Give me one second here, Caitlin, to pull up the article. <laughs> <laughs> so Dude, they are crusty. 
is from 2018. It was published in the Royal Society Publishing. And it is the Forgotten Mediterranean Calving Grounds of Gray and North Atlantic Right Whales. Evidence from Ooh, Roman excited for this archaeological one. records. So, like, let's just think about that for a second. First of all, right whales and right whales in the East. Mediterranean. What? Wait, um, say that again. Gray whales and right whales in the yes. Mediterranean? Yes. <laughs> they're, they're I got to do two things. One, I got to get a thesaurus. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> And two, I have a time machine so I can go back and, and see then, that. hold on, hold on. <laughs> Where they're getting this evidence from is an archaeological dig from, like, the pre-Roman era. Okay, where'd they hold move on. the Mediterranean to? What now? <laughs> First off, was this Pangea? How far back are we? We gotta get through some preface here, dude. <laughs> I see the Mediterranean. I found the Mediterranean. We're talking, so. like, 2,000 years ago, bro. Damn, and they went right through Gibraltar, huh? That's what the argument is here. So, um, the paper talks about, um, gives some history of, like, whaling and records and things from the North Atlantic on the European side. And they actually do a really cool um, breakdown of Basque whaling. And one of the excerpts from the paper that I liked was, early Basque whaling was a strictly a coastal activity targeting eastern right whales calving or migrating through the Bay of Biscay, particularly mom-calf pairs. And Basques and other whaling nations subsequently targeted right whales offshore in their northern feeding grounds, uh, whereas the coastal American whaling exploited the western migration and calving areas. So there was, like, European whaling, American whaling, um, they were obviously one of the most valuable and easy to capture. That's how they got their name, right whale. They're the right whale to kill. Um, they were they were designated commercially extinct in the mid-18th century. So, like, you couldn't hunt them anymore because they were so difficult to find. Um, and even, even after being designated, quote-unquote, commercially extinct, there was still, like, opportunistic take of North Atlantic right whales. Um, the species became very close to biological extinction with just a few dozen individuals remaining on the uh, western North Atlantic side, and they were given legal protection in 1935, but now they're deemed functionally extinct in the eastern North Atlantic, and the only subsisting population is the ones on the west coast of the North America, so the, or, or the east coast of North America, so the western North Atlantic and they estimate that they're at less than 6% of their original population in numbers. So that's about right whales, but kind of interesting of how kind of happened in the North Atlantic for whaling. Um, and then where they, so then they're arguing, which we kind of touched on last episode, that uh, gray whales and right whales use very similar breeding habitats and that Gray whales were also a target of Basque whalers um, during the same time period. So, dang, I wonder if there was ever any right whales in the lagoons in Baja. I don't know. Oh. Can you imagine? Oh, oh me. <laughs> can we can we take a pause break, you guys? We have to go whale watching off Gibraltar. If you Google it, the first thing that pops up is photos of sperm whales and killer whales. I'm just saying two two whales I really like to see. <laughs> All right, well, let's go. 
There's Jamie. Who? Jamie. The natural your friend? with a K-Pan. Yeah, yeah. Your friend. Yeah. She she works there? She went whale watching there. <laughs> First off, going to a place named Gibraltar just sounds cool in itself. <laughs> I feel like you're going to some sort of like Dude, castle. what the heck? Listen, Santa Barbara and Monterey are great, but there's a whole wide world out there to explore. Oh, just want to see all the whales everywhere. And the place the that we need to go, just if you guys are wondering out there, it's called Tarifa. T-A-R-I-F-A. I don't know how we fly in there yet. Pilot <laughs> <laughs> whales. Yeah, dude. All the ones that are down deep and eating squid and stuff. Oh, my goodness. Welcome to Gibraltar. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, let's talk more about North Atlantic gray whales. Early 20th century whalers and scientists alike considered... Gray whales restricted to the North Pacific until there was archaeological and paleontological studies that revealed over 40 bone specimens on the European and North American Atlantic coasts. Um, so that's pretty incontrovertible. Like there definitely was gray whales over there. Um, and they think that gray whales even survived into the 18th century in the North Atlantic. And um, there are some historical records that show that gray whales were considered in economically valuable and pursued, pursued by whalers. Um, but the records are fairly spotty. And there's also some information in there that um, raises some doubts, saying that whaling was the only reason why those whales went extinct. There may have been some sort of natural population decline happening at the time um, mm -hmm. that also led to, like, the... <laughs> When you, extinction of Atlantic gray whales. Also, when you pair those two together, it's not very, very good. Yeah. So do you think that they were, the reason there was gray whales over in the Mediterranean was that might have been their breeding? Yeah, so That's then the paper, after framing up all this information, they then make the argument that the Mediterranean is a suitable breeding habitat because it's very similar to other areas that gray whales use for breeding grounds. And there is some suspected... Um, very spotty historical records of whales breeding there near shore, like maybe right whales or gray whales. So then they get to these archaeological digs, and there was 11 specimens that were large mammal bones, and they were able to do genetic sampling on them, and seven of them they got definitive answers. Three citation. of them were gray whales, three of them were right whales, and one was an African elephant. Um, Whoa. What? <laughs> yeah. So African elephants are hanging out with the whales? So um, these are from like, these are from human, um, uh, what do I want to say? This is where people lived. They had these bones in their villages and stuff. So, um, uh, so they're they saying brought. that they think that the elephants were used by the Carthaginians um, in the war against Rome. And so that's how those elephants got there is that they were war animals. Um, isn't that uh, wild? Well, I wonder what their range is above, like in, in Africa. I wonder. There was something like, in there. I don't know if I copied it over to my notes for this episode, but there was a note in there about that. Um, Slater, about the elephants looking at their. Yeah, like what their range is. Like, did they, ha did they bring them all the way up from South Africa or Botswana or were they like, you know. Well, I think they were Northern elephant, Af uh, Northern African elephants that then like humans had. Um, what's the word? Domesticated. Domesticated. Yes, thank you. Um, 
And then, you know, when you have these huge war efforts going on, that you just move stuff around with elephants or you, you know, that is your weapon. So, um, wow. Dude, that's crazy. That's, that's the best thing about whales is that, like, the history between humans and whales and stuff is, like, crazy. And it just opens so many other doors. Like, now we're talking about freaking African elephants because we were talking about gray whales <laughs> in the Mediterranean. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. So then they, so then they, they're sort of looking through these specimens and they're saying if their thoughts are if the specimens came from migratory whales, um, then maybe their calving grounds are south of the Mediterranean. Um, so like, why did they come in there at all? Kind of is their logic. Or it's like on the very eastern side of the Mediterranean, like kind of on the outside. And, um, well, and it, it there says is it calving grounds off the western sahara for right whales i see i see i see i see so is the med is the med like relatively warm like yeah i feel like it's is it i feel like it's salty or something too um it's a smaller body of water yeah i mean i think it's salinity is probably pretty high because it's warm water um and it's a lot calmer than the open North Atlantic, you know. Uh, mm. And sounds, oh, sounds like kinda, sounds good for whale watching. <laughs> good <Yeah>. weather, whales. <laughs> um, there's also some records, like some human written records, that are quite old. Um, where there's like this third century description saying there's this mysterious ram fishes. Um, near shore in the Mediterranean Sea. So it's like, what, a ram fish? Is that a right whale? Like, when they're swimming with their mouth open, you know? Or a gray whale when it's swimming with their mouth open? Like... So maybe it's the feeding grounds. Or they just stopped over and fed them. Yeah, it's hard to say, but, you know, there's some... There's enough, like, sort of patchy evidence to maybe put together an argument about it. Well, Uh, have they found... Have they found... Gray whale bones on the western north North Atlantic, like the west yeah, coast of the, US or the east coast yes. of the U.S. Yes. Okay. I don't think there's been any calf remains That's found, really but there but have even then, gray whale remains found. Even then, you could have a you could have a calf in Alaska. Like, um, it's like pretty small, you know. When I was researching this, I found some Graves Reef National Marine Sanctuary, which I think is off the Carolinas, Georgia. They have gray whale. Uh, evidence of great whales there <clears throat> god i feel like there's just all this information that just hasn't been put out yet like you know yeah well i mean Ever. i think obviously it went out to some people but you know it's taking other folks a while to to get onto it or like you know for i stumbled on this paper because we kept asking questions about gray whales. i remember like, yeah google scholar it and i just like went down this rabbit hole for a couple hours <laughs> Dude, I don't know how you find all these articles. You're dude, amazing. She's a What's genius, the... dude. She's an actual genius. We have one genius and two idiots on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> two little turkey burgers, dude. They're just trying to learn. Oh, my God. So, That's um, crazy to me. Some final thoughts. Whoever wrote this paper, I really, they really chased down it's, a lot of ideas, and I really, really liked it. It's um, well written, yeah. One, fi- one final thought they had... Um, about the whole use of of the habitat from gray whales and right whales was also thinking about 
such a large loss of these animals um, having broader ecosystem e implications. So, um, you know, the calves are prey for killer whales. And what did that have an effect on killer whale populations? Um, whale migrations are essentially, could be viewed as conveyor belts of nutrients across their range. So with the loss of these animals, you know, what's happening with the nutrient cycling? And um, is that having an effect on the ecosystem on a much broader scale than anyone realizes? Is it having these cascading effects? Is, is primary productivity less in the Mediterranean now because oh. these whales are not there, you know, stirring up the sediment and lactating females are not there, you know, putting nutrients into the water column, you know. So it goes back to that thing like what we were talking about earlier with the blue whales. If they're not there, yep. mixing it all up, then... Well, it's like the same thing, like whales, how whales affect bears. Remember that one? Yep. Yep. Nutrients getting pushed in from, yeah, getting transported from the ocean to the terrestrial ecosystem and then having an effect. Of, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, my gosh, dude. Whales are so dude, crazy. No, it's not just whales, dude. It's the whole Earth's interconnected. Yeah. We I know. Can't see it we're, we're weird. Humans. <laughs> but, but whales play such an important part. Yeah. Yeah, literally one of the most important parts. Yeah. Like the oh my goodness. Adam, if you guys could see Adam's face, his mind is fried. Dude, wait. <laughs> but think about it. Think about it. Like like the gray whales are still here in the Pacific, right? And I feel like the Pacific has a pretty healthy population of like mammal eating killer whales. But think yeah. about the Atlantic. The, yeah. The, the one the one species of it I guess I don't even know if they're mammal eating or um I have some information that of... I've been saving up for an episode about Atlantic killer whales but I haven't actually read through it a whole lot yet but stay tuned um just, maybe there's I not a lot tell, of coverage over I, there but I do tell people that on um the whale watch boat out here in Massachusetts they're like do you ever see killer whales and I'm like well, not really. I mean, it's just not a super common sighting. I personally don't really understand a lot about the North Atlantic killer whales on this side. Um, but I said, I always say to them, there's really not as much food for the transient type as there used to be. And so I, I am always curious about how their population handled the loss of so many large whales. Like Maybe a that's why all the ones up north are like her herring eating killer whales. Yeah, because they're There's the no whales that can survive because their food well, didn't get all snapped up. They also, in like Iceland, they also have killer whales that eat dolphins too. I think yeah, they have I, no. There's some speculation. Do those same whales eat mammals and fish? Like, I think that they eat dolphins up there. I think I heard about a meeting. I, I have a question for you guys. It does say uh, at the end of it, it says. Uh, North Atlantic right whales and gray whales were previously found and were probably common in the Gibraltar region at least up until late Roman 6th century AD. You guys hit me with this whole AD thing. This is where I get lost. The BC and AD. 6th century? That's yeah. like year 600. Yeah, I get no, that. Year, but what's the year, the why, why AD? Well, the no, first century was zero, so the year, after, seven, after, year 700. After death, right? And before Christ? Yeah. Oh, that's and remember the Romans killed... Jesus, if you believe that story, so that's oh, where we're gosh. that's where we're at. It means so like science uses that. Anno, anno domini, that's what it means. Yeah. A.D. The year of our anno Lord. domini. Yeah. What is it? Say it again. Anno domini. Anno domini. All right. 
I got some homework. <laughs> Dude, my freaking head hurts. This stuff is awesome. <laughs> it's called science, Adam. You guys are both being haters before this episode. We oh, were. Well. <laughs> he was like, oh, you have a full, like, special Dude, on gray whales? Like, <laughs> like, 18 papers on gray whales. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Lord. It's crazy because a lot of this stuff makes you want to dig up some bones, too, though. You know what I mean? Trust the process, boys. Trust the process. A lot of this stuff makes me want to freaking build a time machine and go hang out with some Mediterranean hey. the Let's go back to the Eocene. <laughs> I bet there was tons of... Well, they're probably not gray whales in. They're probably gray elephant whales or something weird. We don't know. <laughs> That's probably why there's bones. They were probably friends back then. <laughs> Okay, so the last thing I have, um, we'll go oh. through pretty quickly because it's kind of sad, is the 2021 um, annual research report from Mexico. So um, this is from San Ignacio and Magdalena Bay, and it was not great. So uh, they did surveys in January, February, March, and the first week of April, um, looking at numbers of whales overall, numbers of um, mom-calf pairs, and sort of just comparing it year to year. And it was pretty low overall. Um, and there was also reports of lots of really thin whales. There was reports of whales trying to feed while they were in Baja. And mm. um, so the boat survey counts um, for... Let's see. Is this the full abundance one? I'm trying to make sure I'm on the right one before I start reading it. Total count. Not good, man. Those poor whales. Okay. Total counts of gray whales in Laguna San Ignacio for 2021. Um, the highest they had, the peak of single whales, was the 27th of February. They had 162. And they had 13 mom-calf pairs that same week, bringing them up to 175 whales. The peak of mom-calf sighted in San Ignacio was the 18th of March. They had 89 single whales and 19 mom-calf pairs. That brought them up to 19. 108 total whales. And that is quite low compared to their normal count like 19 cow calf pairs the 12th of march in 2016 they were looking at let's see 130 mom calf pairs what year did you and i go caitlin oh, oh i guess i went last year or not two years ago yeah 130 holy crap yeah. there was way there was how many were there five something like that how many was 2019 2019 was also quite low. That same time period, they were just over 20 mom-calf pairs. I mean, what? that was when the UME started in 2019. It was not great. I remember the guy saying to me when I was there that there's not very many whales here. We still had a great time, but they were like, there's not very many whales here. I definitely yeah. met one of the calves, so if there was only 20, that means I met one of the 20? Yeah. Dude, so that is bad. <laughs> Magdalena Bay Lagoon Complex, which is three sites that they survey, Bahia Almejas, Bahia Magdalena, and Canal Santo Domingo. They had, like, 
in all the survey dates for Almejas, they had one mom-calf pair on the 6th of February, the 26th of February, and the 5th of March. Which, maybe they just don't use that area. Was it bad weather, too, though? And then Mag Bay, they had zero every survey date. And then um, Santo Domingo Canal, they had none on the 21st of January. They had six on the 7th of February, and they had two on the 28th of February. So... Do they fly over these lagoons? I think they're vessel-based surveys. The water's so green anyways, you would never know. Yeah, I'm not sure that a drone would help there. (laughs) Well, not a drone, but like an actual... Or flight, yeah. Helicopter, plane, or small plane. That's so bad. What? Wait, so what was the total number for this year? Um... I'm I'm trying to pull it up on my phone, but... I don't think... Well, for San Ignacio... Oh, it's for all of them? So, yeah, 19 was the highest, and they had, what, two in the other bays? Okay, so if there's only, like, let's say 40 calves born this year, and two of them we saw, well, only one of them we saw get eaten here, and another one was just, like, next day. It's kind of tricky because the dates that they're seeing mom-calf pairs, they're not photo-identifying matching, so week to week it could be. Yeah, so it could be. So you're saying it could be even less? Yeah. Well, at least, at the very but least, this it's, is only it's from San Ignacio right? and the Magdalena Bay complex. What else is there besides that? Guillermo Negro. Yeah. Which is a big lagoon. Guillermo Negro is a big lagoon. Uh, the killer whales have to know it too. Then they're probably they probably know the science of what's going on. Dude, but they seem to be having a feast. Whereas the springs after 2019 and 2020 were slow. Well, yeah. 2020, we don't really know that well because of COVID. But 2019, that spring was fairly slow. I wonder if they should be eating these gray whales if the gray whales are sick. It's not up to the, it's not up to the killer whales to decide that. No, what I'm saying, if the gray whales are sick, they, got, oh. they shouldn't be eating well, them. Well, they're definitely underweight. But, I mean, those California transients are some of the most toxic whales out there besides the um southern yeah. so either they're not doing well well i mean they eat sea lions that are freaking full of ddt from southern california so what do you want them to do i'm gonna put biomagnification put a, put a sign out in point pinos don't eat these ones <laughs> <laughs> only eat harbor seals from no yeah big sir or uh you know what I'm doing because of this, and I've gotten really sad. Changing my background. <laughs> so uh, the other thing that was interesting. So not only did they do a full, you know, like health assessments numbers, they also looked at the arrival dates, and they said the arrival of adult gray whales occurred in mid-January, approximately two weeks later than was observed in the years of 2011 to 2017, but it was more similar to the winters of 2018, 2019, and 2020. So the whales are about two weeks late. Um, and then the department that... times were, the northbound takeoff was still pretty similar across the board to, to normal year. Now, we, I, I wonder if they can compare those arrivals to the 1999 and the 2000 El Nino. That would be interesting. I don't know if this organization has data that far back, but that would be an interesting thing to look at. So... 
We used to always say, well, not like some of the natural speeches when I was growing up on the fishing boats and stuff was like, the gray whales wait until the water starts freezing over in Alaska and then they leave. But it's like, if the water never freezes over anymore, then, then they don't leave. Yeah, well, is it going to come to a point where there's just not going to freeze over ever and then they just like don't know what to do? Yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely something that I still was taught as a naturalist is that the the ice coming down is one of the environmental cues that they use. Um, that can't be the so only one, though. It could be that, but it also could be that they're late because they're not finding enough food all summer. So they're trying to eat for as long as possible for the, before they have to absolutely go. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's more of a choice than it is a lack of signaling. It's, I guess, where I'm going with that. Um, but they did say, while the numbers of newborn calves th this year are low, um, the calves and moms did actually appear to be in good body condition and did not appear yeah. to be single and under, uh, single, did not appear to be skinny like the single whales. So the single mm, whales were the ones that were documented to be very thin, the ones that were down there. Even then, this year, I can't really recall any, like, really skinny gray whales. The mom and calves looked really good this year, specifically. Except for the one. I think we saw, like, 12 gray whales this year, honestly. So, think about the... Really? We saw so many mom calves. Think about the population level implications of this. The really good... The moms that are really good at finding food are the ones having babies. Ooh, true. And... There's, but there's also just less babies overall. So is this going to create some sort of like population bottleneck? Is there going to be some sort of um, like environmentally forced selection? Like what kind of implications does that have for a population overall? I don't know. I guess it'll depend on how long this issue lasts. Oh, gray whales need help too, huh? Yep. I'll fight for them. It's hands on site, dude. They did use drones to do some of their aerial survey work and also to do the health assessment. They did body measurements with drones. Reading the bottom of the thing. They also have a drone photo of a bunch of feeding pits in San Ignacio. Like that they make when they dig in the sand. Mm. Oh, sad. And there was one entangled gray whale that was disentangled and those Which ones they were wire lobster traps where it was like it was just that was probably off of a side i bet that was if they're a lobster could that that probably be like southern california huh yeah or i don't is there a lot of lobster fishing in baja i don't know i'm not well yeah i, I would say it's probably like central california and down yeah. We don't lobster. They don't. We don't have lobster here in Monterey, right? We do I mean, have we do, but some not lobster, but... to support a fishery. Yeah, spiny lobster. So in total, the photo ID effort. Oh, they did document some uh, Western North Pacific gray whales as well. So they had. Where's the number? We continued photograph. Blah, 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 blah. There's probably some whales. He's, I mean, I guess it's just like a uh, scarback. I bet there's some pretty distinctive gray whales that they see in the lagoons every year. There was three western gray whales documented in San Ignacio this year. 
and their photo ID effort overall revealed 746 individual single whales, 43 mom-calf pairs, and the average residency time for a single whale in the lagoon was 9.3 days, and females with calves was 36.4 days. Damn, nine days. They go so many miles, dude, for nine days. miles. But they also could One leave way. that lagoon and go down further. They could, you know what I mean? They could, yeah. they could lagoon hop too, right? So, how often do we see them breeding on their way down and on their way back? Yeah, gray whales like to mate. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Wow. And then Magdalena Bay, they had 506 single whales. Average residency was eight days. They had six female calf, mom calf pairs. Their average re residency in Magdalena Bay was actually only 19 days. Sheesh. So, pretty cool report. Um, I'm I like sure, this topic. I'm not sure how to link this particular report to the um, Facebook comment section yet, but I will try and figure it out for you all because if you want to be able to read it, I will try and get it for you as well. But as per usual, when we post the episode link on our Facebook page, in the comment section, I go through and put our show notes, like, so that you can access the papers and stuff, too. So um, I know that someone asked about the North Atlantic Gray Whale paper, and that will be in the comments when it goes live on the Facebook page. So, yeah, Gray Whales. Don't doubt me, boys. Hey, I did it. I doubted. I, I, <laughs> I doubted. It. it was me. It was me. <laughs> I just go with the flow. I'm I want. I want to go back. I want to go back through our reports here and see how many calves we had. We must have had twenty this year, like at least here in Santa Barbara. Every you know? single pair. I'm. That's one. Are you trying to flex on us, Adam? That you saw all calves that were born? Just saying, <laughs> dude. We literally had one day where we had like five or six cow calf pairs, just like. Well, you know. if you would have got a photo, maybe I could have seen if it was the one that was in the hunt. Oh no, I don't. But instead, you were probably making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the galley. Oh gotta do what you gotta do. Gotta pay them bills. Wow. Dude, gray whales are awesome. Six pairs from San Ignacio and six pairs from Magdalena Bay. There's no numbers in this report from um That was a great episode. That it's was really long, but I love gray whales. <laughs> wow. I my my mind's like blown. Thinking about that freaking Mediterranean whales. If you don't go to Gibraltar with me next year, <laughs> Slater, Slater, listen. You've been to you've been to, you've been to the lagoons. You've been to Maui. I haven't done anything. All right, I gotta. You're ahead of me already. I'm trying to invite Asian, you to Gibraltar, Asian's you young grasshopper. <laughs> I looked up flights around eight hundred dollars. Right now, each way, each also way. you have to quarantine for fourteen days. But who's counting? Chump change, dude. It's fine. All the money you saved on your flight, you're going to spend on a hotel while you're in quarantine. <laughs> True. Yeah, but that'll be on the way back. We don't know what, what's going on there. They might already have it figured out in Gibraltar. Then we can't get back into America. Gibraltar probably has a COVID shield. It's all right. I'll just stay in Spain. It's not. <laughs> it's like the name Gibraltar, I'm telling you. They got some fancy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What's the secret whale this week or secret word? You want to do uh -huh. Gibraltar because you keep saying it? No. no, it has to be. It has to be something like um, the um, uh, let's see, what would that be? That would be the Eastern Atlantic gray whale. Western Atlantic. 
Well, if they're going to Gibraltar, they're in the Eastern Atlantic. Right. How about Atlantic Greywell? Mediterranean Greywell. Same Mediterranean Greywell. How about E Robustus? Shrishdish. I can't say it's Shrishdish. What is it? It's Crictus. It's Crictus Robustus. It's Cricket? Cricket whale. Cricket whale. That's a secret whale. The sweet cricket. No, whale. just put secret whale. Whatever you want. You make your own whale up. <laughs> <laughs> Choose your own destiny this week in the comments. I like. I like the cricket whale. Cricket, cricket whale. whale. I like cricket whale. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made it this far, you're amazing. It was super long. If you made it this far, <laughs> you did the best. <laughs> yeah. Thanks everyone. Thanks for following along on social media, for supporting us on Patreon, and sharing our podcast. Um, with other folks so that we can get more listeners. We really, really appreciate it. Have a great day. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Or night.